Hi, I'm Izzy, host of the STEM Untapped podcast. This week, we're releasing an episode with some of our best bits from the last year. Coming up, you'll hear how our role models became interested in STEM and the importance of role models in their lives. What got you interested in STEM? I think I was interested in STEM before I knew what STEM was. I've always been interested in, I just had like a a natural inkling as a child to take things apart and put them back together. But because of my parents at home, I was scared that I would not put them back together correctly and get into a lot of trouble if I like try to take the toaster apart and then stop the toaster from working. And so I I kind of let that live there and and, and didn't really explore that until um, I found out about software engineering and I found out that I could take things apart and put them back together digitally and it stays on my computer my computer doesn't break and nothing breaks and I was like I love this I thought I wanted to be an architect and one of our family friends at the time was a civil engineer and he was asking me why I wanted to be an architect and I said oh you know I just I love knowing how things work and the built environment around me and you know you see these big skyscrapers and I'd love to be involved in in the design and the construction of them and he actually said have you come across civil engineering and I said no I, I, don't, I don't know what civil engineering is you know architecture is a you know it's a popular topic so I went away I did a bit of a google search on civil engineering and the more I read upon the subject I was like wow that's exactly what I want to do I'm not artistic like what an architect needs to be I'm definitely more mathematical and and, and science minded and wanting to understand a little bit more about how things work and come together so I studied psychology and law at a level as well and and I was in the same position really where I didn't know whether to pursue law and become you know like a barrister be really heavily involved in criminal justice system or whether I wanted to do more a career that were based in psychology. So I ended up choosing to do psychology with criminology at university. And that were really useful because it combines both, really. You get the psychology side, but you also get to focus on criminology and, and the criminal aspect of things. I should say when I could choose electives at university, forensic psychology was one of them. And I picked that and it was my absolute favourite module that I'd ever done at uni I got my highest grade in it and so I thought that seemed like a good reason to continue and so when I finished uni when I graduated graduated from my undergrad degree um I thought that it'd be a good idea to pursue that and then that's when I started to work in forensic settings so what I really enjoyed was all the practical elements because I don't know how you learn these days but we got to do all these experiments and all the practical elements and I really enjoyed that and we'd even go out and sort of do little experiments again I'm not entirely sure how you guys get taught now but that's what kept me going Did you always want to pursue this career? And if not, how did you come to choose this path? I always wanted to stay as a child. So I think I became a professional child. So that's how I would say it. Uh, I, I, I don't think I can imagine myself in any other role. It did change. It transitioned to different parts of it. But I think I always want to be in this title, I would say.
essentially I got into tech it wasn't the most traditional way so I didn't actually do computer science when I went to university I studied chemistry and by my fourth year I decided to pivot into tech so I met someone else who had gone to the same university as me and she had done a STEM degree and she ended up being an, a software engineer at bank so that was the first time that I realized that this was a career path that was viable for me and so I went to a lot of tech networking events and, and tried to learn a lot more about what a career in tech looked like and from there I stumbled across an opportunity to join a boot camp that was targeting and essentially marketed to women and joined 30 lovely women on a boot camp with BT learning how to code and that ended up getting me into my first role as a software engineer at BT. So when I was younger, I was quite into medicine. So I liked all the um, medical programs. So there used to be a program called Children's Hospital that I used to watch. It was a real life thing. So it wasn't like a drama or anything. It was like a documentary and the cameras would go in to the children's hospital and you'd see all these little unfortunately some some very sick children and the doctors and nurses like treating them and I quite in, enjoyed watching that night there were a lot of happy endings unfortunately there were a few sad endings as well but I did enjoy watching that so at that point I would say the helping people has always kind of been in my nature. I really wanted to become a lawyer. I picked psychology because psychology was something that seemed interesting and could feed into, into law. So you can major in psychology and then take the LSAT in the U.S. and that helps you get into law school. But during my first semester in college, I started thinking about what I actually wanted to do as a lawyer. And what I was really most interested in was criminal law. But when I thought about actually engaging in criminal law myself, I realized that probably it wasn't a good fit for me. So I, I decided to just explore psychology since I was already majoring in psychology. I figured, all right, let's, let's see what, I can, what else I could do with psychology. And I learned about all different types of careers, like becoming an industrial organizational psychologist, and I could have become a consultant and traveled all over working with companies and, and how to maximize their performance or working with little kids, developmental. And I just realized that psychology was so broad that I could stick with psychology, but try a lot of different things. And it wasn't until my third year in college, so junior year for us, that I landed on cognitive psychology. And it was really because I continued to be interested in working with kids and I continued to be interested in learning. And it seemed like cognitive psychology could be a good fit. I honestly didn't even plan to apply to PhD programs in cognitive psychology until my fourth year. And I, that's when I finally said, okay, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna apply to these programs. I've always been interested in animals. And when I was younger, it was, cross between wanting to work with animals when everyone you know when you're young all the adults would always tell me you're gonna be a vet or something because that was the only ones that when people think of working with animals there was there's sort of limited options that people could think of I knew I didn't want to be a vet at the time but I wasn't sure what it was that I wanted to do I just knew I wanted to work with animals but I also was really into art um, and creating I think I was around 15 or 16 where you know I was getting quite obsessed with 
documentaries, wildlife documentaries, and I I was thinking about doing about that, but I wasn't really sure I'd do it as a career. I did some photography classes, like extra classes in school. We had like um, extra curricular, and that was really good. So getting involved with the camera. But still doing my degree was still also focused on thinking that I would maybe just work in conservation, field conservation and studying in animals, doing field work. And then it was only really sort of a year or so in, a friend and I were both interested in filming. And so together we sort of just decided to make a bit of a film. And I've yo-yoed after graduating between doing a bit of conservation work and then trying to get into filmmaking. And then with a lot of, there's a lot of talking to people and trying to get experience that got me in there and eventually it does take a long time so yeah I think I definitely I knew, always knew but there was always elements that made me think of other things. I think I really didn't know what I wanted to do I think I had, I had some friends at school who absolutely knew what direction they wanted to go in and I didn't so I I was very lucky where I didn't sort of have pressures on me. I didn't put pressure on myself or didn't have pressures to to find the career I wanted. So I looked on the internet and looked and looked and looked and found or stumbled across psychotherapy and did some research as to, into different places where I could learn about psychotherapy and then applied at the Birmingham Trust for Psychoanalytic Psychotherapy and started my training. So do you have any like, role models that have inspired you? Initially, my role models with my parents. Yeah, I had very hardworking parents, both worked full time. Both of them had no degree education, but just had a really good work ethic. And my dad is from an engineering type of career. And he always kind of influenced me and, and made me realise just how rewarding engineering is. The business that I've recently joined has a director who recently served as the um, ICE president, which is the Institution of Civil Engineers. And she is a big advocate for net zero and shaping um, the industry to, to consider carbon and, and the sustainability part of our jobs. And I've always found her energy and, and drive towards that really quite inspiring. So at the moment, she's definitely one of the role models. Yeah, so I think role models are, are so important. I grew up with parents who I just knew did not know, you know, and it's not their fault. And they tried their best with everything else that they could, but they just weren't, they just didn't know anyone. And sometimes I see people like, oh, my dad's friend worked in tech. I didn't know, no, I, you know, I didn't have that at all. I Then I would, of my own accord at 15, 16, go to these uh, conferences in London, go to these hackathons. And I'd deliberately be looking for a 20-something black, year old black woman because I know I'm not the only one, you know. I'm not self-absorbed. I don't think I'm like the first person on earth who's been interested in computer science as a black woman. So where have they gone, you know? And I, I was thinking, have they dropped off? Have they been scared off by the industry? What happened? And I always had that. But I do have role models now. and Like, they're all my friends, which is even better, right? In setting up Codes of Colour, in going through doing all this stuff and meeting people I've met people who are doing amazing things similar things to me and the fact that I can just hop on a call with my role models is is something that's even better than you know the situation I was in five ten years ago when I had no one to to look up to number one because she also loves math and computer science 
is Anne-Marie Mappadon, who's the founder, co-founder of Stemex. Um, she's great. And yeah, like, yeah, that, that, that's basically all I can say. She's, she's great. Look her up. Um, she's wonderful. Um, the, but then there's also like Charlene Hunter from Coding Black Females. There's Deborah Kindler from YSYS. And these are all black women, you know, who are a little bit older than me, to be honest. Um, who are doing great things and who've done great things. Someone like Charlene, Charlene's similar to me. She she was coding from day one, you know, and she existed when I was 13. I didn't know who she was because she wasn't made visible. So they do exist. They're out there. They're just not made visible. If I'm really honest with you, the person who inspired me to become a forensic psychologist was absolutely Clarice Starling in Silence of the Lambs. I can trace it absolutely back to that and thinking that she was the most badass, coolest person that maybe one day I could work for the FBI, although you can't do that if you've not been born in America. So she was a big inspiration for me going down the forensic path. But I think in terms of like inspirational role models now, I would have to say that it's the women that I work with in academia who I think are really inspiring. Like I've got a research mentor, Professor Julia Hurst, who she's amazing and she's had a really long academic publishing career and she's really made massive strides in the field of sex education in schools. And she's really inspirational to me. And yeah, just the women that I work with, they're all really inspiring and doing really amazing things that are not always as recognised as they should be. I must say, at your stage, I really can't recall having any role models um, because there was no internet. There was no, well, there was a bit of internet, but it wasn't like as broad. I couldn't really go and look up things like you guys can do now. So I can't really call at your stage having role models. But throughout my career, I've definitely had people that I looked up to or that I thought, gosh, I really want to be like you. In particular, I remember this um, professor that I worked with. Um, She's Norwegian. But she worked in the UK and she did a lot of brain research in babies. So obviously that's how I've come to be what I am now. And I really looked up to her, but she was quite approachable. So I think if you're looking at role models, find someone that is approachable, that is quite close to where you are and that you can just easily ask questions and say, look, I'm really struggling with this. What should I do? Or, or how did you get to what you are now? So I guess all throughout I've found people, but so many if you, you start looking there's so many female scientists out there that definitely are role models it definitely shows that you can be whatever you want to be i think who inspired you in your life it might be cheesy but my mum was probably like the biggest role model to me so like my mum came from nigeria and she came and she had like four kids and she sacrificed everything basically to make sure that they were in a position to have the opportunities that I've had in terms of going to university and joining a boot camp and, and getting into tech. Another role model is someone that I worked with at BT, my, my first role. It was a software engineer and she was a woman, another woman in tech. So when I joined BT and I walked into the office, it was just men. <laughs> All I could see was men. There was barely any women. Um, and then I could see why they created a boot camp to get more women into the company because there weren't barely any but she was one of the few women that was working at BT and she was just killing it she was just great her, at her role and I was at a point where I was like I want to be that I want to be amazing in, at what I do I want to be a really good software engineer. These days I'm talking to Ursula Le Guin in my mind <laughs> I love her mind I think 
I'm reading her uh, memoirs, so it's quite interesting to read them and articles while she had written. You know, I'm kind of having conversations in my mind with her. So that's one person, definitely. And then if I have to go in very personal, I think, you know, you get inspired from your own family, definitely. So my grandmother was very much in love with nature. And I think her enthusiasm of life actually gave me this kind of space that I have to enjoy and have fun and be open to curiosity. And then my mom actually gave me space to explore. She didn't limit me. And her best two friends actually inspired me because one of them is an architect and then the other one is a psychologist. So I kind of get very much inspired by them. So that's what I would say. They were very much my inspiration. There is a lady called Henrietta Lacks. She's a lady close to my heart because I worked with cells that came from this lady during my PhD. So basically, this lady had cancer and she's just an ordinary lady. People extracted the cancer cells from her and they basically multiplied them and froze them without her permission, without her knowing and without any of her family knowing. They did, no one knew that they'd done this. And those cells from this original lady are still being used in research to this day. And it's only more recently that she's getting credit for it. So those cells are called healer cells. So they're now named after her because she's Henrietta Lacks. So they're, they're called healer cells. So um, these play a massive role in cancer research now. So I would say because she was like not from any research that she did, she was just being a, a wonderful female. Um, unfortunately, she got ill. But she has made a huge, huge difference in the world of research, not even for cancer research. I didn't do cancer research for my PhD, but I still use those cells for other things. So it's helping biology in so many ways, I would say. I think my main role model really was my mom, even though she wasn't in a STEM career and she actually stayed home with us for many years until our parents got divorced and then she went back to work. But she really sort of has has lived her life in a way that's, I think, really lovely. Just sort of treat others the way you want to be treated and try to help as many people succeed as much as possible. And she was just an excellent mom. I also look up to a lot of female politicians. So in, in the U.S., not not all of them, but Hillary Clinton, I think, even though I know she has a bit of a bad reputation among many, if for my generation, you know, she's done a lot of really good things. Um, and I think the some people in our country have really focused on a couple of things that maybe were not perfect and, and you know, nobody's perfect. And certainly it's not that we should sweep those things under the rug, but I don't think we need to constantly talk about her emails. That's, you know, maybe not the most important thing she's done. But Hillary Clinton, Kamala Harris, who's our, our first female in the White House. I really, I, I like Dr. Jill Biden as well. And I, I, she's the current president, his wife. And she is more than just a first lady, right? She's, she has her PhD. And I love that a lot of us in the States are insistent that we call her Dr. Jill Biden, not just Mrs. Joe Biden or whatever. So I, I look up to a lot of a lot of those women. Again, not all, <laughs> um, but but certainly we have some good ones. Thank you for joining another STEM Untapped podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, then subscribe for free on your podcast app. 
you can follow us on Instagram at STEMUntapped. If you know of a school or group of students who would like to interview female or non-binary role models, do get in touch. Likewise, if you know of anyone who would be a great role model, then let us know. Our details are all documented in the show notes.